What's up? And welcome to Forte Catholic Radio. It is a pleasure to be here, here with you this evening. First thing we want to talk about tonight is we know that here in our area in Bryan College Station, Waco area, and especially our friends, uh, family, loved ones down in Houston, uh, know that our prayers are with you today as as we air this tonight. I was uh, as I was preparing for the show, I was wondering, you know, what are we, what can we possibly talk about the weekend after the most devastating hurricane in in U.S. history hits? You know, like right. In, in our area, our friends uh, down south to, to Houston and the coast and Rockport. And here's, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about stories. Because as we've been following and, and hearing about the Hurricane Harvey uh, aftermath and, and um, seeing things on the news, seeing these pictures, seeing videos of just all this devastation, people are wondering, how, how do we make sense of this? What's happening? Um, why is this happening? All these sorts of things. So first and foremost, before we even before we really dive into it, I want to start with some of the great stories that I've heard of people rising up to help in this situation. Through all the midst of people wondering what's happening, people hurting, people losing houses, trying to, to stay safe, there was a priest, this video of a priest kind of went viral on, on Facebook, social media, all these kinds of things. A, pr- a priest that had a canoe or kayak, I don't know the difference, don't yell at me, you know, a boat that you paddle in. And in the midst of the storm on Sunday, in the flooding in Houston, he was paddling around and bringing the Eucharist to people who were, who were stranded, stuck in their house. <clears throat> the Cardinal uh, Archbishop of, uh, of the diocese, Archdiocese of Houston, he sent out this message on Sunday, it was like, heed the warnings of, of local officials, like, don't risk your life to go to mass. Like, stay. Like, don't don't go through the high water. Stay at home. Um, you know, it's not a sin to not come to mass today. Like, you're dealing with <clears throat> this huge tragedy. And yet, this this priest was like, you know what? Even though that's the case, I still want to to be with people, to pray with people, to share the the word of God with people, and to share the presence of God in the Eucharist with them. So, if you haven't checked that video out, I'll post a link to it on the on the um the post for the podcast of this episode, so you can check it out. It's just beautiful seeing a man of God wanting to bring God to these people in this in this difficult situation. Um, the second thing is, <clears throat> second story of, is actually a conglomeration of a bunch of different stories. My my Facebook feed and Twitter and Instagram has just been blowing up with like at, like friends of mine who live in the Houston area, and I'm f- good friends with a lot of youth ministers at at parishes in Central Houston that have just absolutely been devastated a friend of mine uh, who has actually been on the show before he was actually on the on the pilot episode dylan browning is the youth minister at a parish in houston and there was a video of a priest uh standing in the church in you know water almost covering up his legs and just looking out through all the pews and like the all the pews were underwater and they they lost everything and it's like man like i know you know People have insurance, but still, like this is a huge hit emotionally to have your your home, your place of worship, your school, all of these things just fall apart. It's 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 absolutely terrible. But my my friends and a bunch of other people have been uh, just coordinating relief efforts and all these things. So um, <clears throat> I've seen people who have been. Um, even people, a, a couple of friends of mine who are in ministry, whose own homes have been affected, their own phones have been has been uh, their, their own sh- houses have been affected by the flood, and yet they're still coordinating efforts, like saying, "Hey, message me if you have a boat. Message me if you can bring supplies. Message me if you can donate." Um, and I just want to take it, take a time to just, um, to thank them for all that they're doing. A local radio station here in Bryan College Station, Candy 95, it's like the, you know, the top hits music station, right? So no, not any, uh, religious background or any <laughs> religious affiliation. Uh, I was just driving in my car yesterday, running some errands and that sort of thing. And they're, um, 
they were having people drop off uh, things that a bunch of shelters in the Houston area needed. They needed baby wipes and diapers, and they needed um, all these uh, a list of all these other things, these necessities, blankets, and all this kind of stuff, towels. And I was listening for uh, throughout the day a couple of hours, and I first heard like, "Yeah, we're going to bring a truck, a big eighteen wheeler that we're packing up at the radio station today. We're going to pack the truck up, truck up, and we're going to drive it down tonight. So bring your stuff in." And then, like an hour and a half later, I heard, uh, "That truck's already full. Keep bringing stuff. We got another eighteen wheeler that's coming." Right. So not only is the church rising up to help, but the crazy thing about tragedy is that it brings people it actually brings people together right one of the big themes that's been kind of blowing up on social media over the last couple of days is the lack of people fighting about race religion um po- politics or all these things like that stuff is usually the crap that's on my social media feed and yet this week it's all just about let's help each other. Let's come together. It doesn't matter. Like you're trying to save lives of people, trying to help people out. It doesn't matter uh, race, religion, creed, who you voted for in the last election. Let's just get through this together. Um, celebrities like the Rockets owner, Leslie Alexander, you know, the Houston Rockets, the NBA team there. Yesterday, he's like, I'm donating $4 million to the relief efforts. Like that's a lot of money. $4 million is a lot of money. And then today he's like, he even saw more devastation. He says, I'm upping it to $10 million. $10 million he's just given to, to help the city that he loves. Uh, we saw uh, pictures of the Cajun Navy coming, all these guys from Louisiana and their big trucks and bringing their boats to come help with relief efforts and to literally save people's lives by getting them out of the storm. And so many others coming on boats. My neighbor, uh, my next door neighbor in our, in, um, at our house, Great people, a young adult couple just moved in next to us about a little less, around a year ago. His job is that he uh, he's in fishery, so he he goes around like drives around all the south, restocking ponds with fish and all these sorts of things, right? So they have these big boats that they use for the for the for their job, and all of those guys are are now down in Houston for I think three or four days, just driving their boats around as long as they can stay awake. And, and, and getting people out of their homes and into safety. So um, for all of you guys that are helping out in this situation, I want to thank you. For all those suffering, uh, I, I want to I pray for you. So we're, we're going to pray here. It's not something we normally do on the show because I know listening, if you're li- dri- driving in your car, listening to prayers probably isn't the most exciting thing at, at all, but it is a Catholic radio show. We, uh, we, we do believe in the power of prayer. So if you would um, pray with me, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes. We don't want a Jesus take the wheel moment. <laughs> we, we really don't want that. So let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we come before you today in the, in the midst of this great tragedy that is happening in our, in our beloved state of Texas, God. We ask that you, uh, first and foremost, that you keep people safe um, as the, the floodwaters continues to rise in, in Houston and other areas, God, we ask that you uh, send relief efforts, that you um, make things happen so that people's lives can be safe. Um, God, we pray for all of our, our friends, family, and all the, the communities along the Texas coast who have been affected by this. We ask that you um, that you help them to find s- some peace in you throughout this situation, that um, that you help them find solace in you and family and, and in the help and, um, and the love of friends. God, we ask that anything, you know, that brings emotional stress, financial, um, losing a house, losing a car. God, we ask that you help those things be sorted out in, in a, in a quick fashion, God, that they can, um, get back to, to life as usual, as quick as they possibly can. God. And, and father, we know that often in, in trials that uh, it can be hard to, to turn our focus to you. Um, we, God, I ask that all, especially all of our friends and family who are suffering, that you help them to still look to you in this situation. And we ask this all in your name. Amen. So how does, how does this make sense? The story of Hurricane Harvey, how can we make sense of it? These, these tragedies that happen. And I'm not going to pretend to know <laughs> how to explain this story. Or uh, to, to make it just go away or to make it, it's like, oh, that's why Hurricane Harvey happened. Like, that's not going to happen. But one thing that I do know 
is that suffering is part of the human experience. It's part of our life. It's part of the human story. And I also know that it's a big part of the Christian story. Uh, here, here today uh, in the Red Sea Radio studios on, on this Tuesday evening, we're celebrating uh, the, the feast day, the memorial of, of St. John the Baptist and his passion. And we were at Mass this morning, and uh, the priest was talking about what does passion mean? He's, uh, this Mass for high school students, like, what, what is passion? And they were deathly quiet. You could hear a pin drop for about 25 seconds. And then finally somebody just, you know, with all the courage in the world, said, suffering. <laughs> and he was like, what? <laughs> what did you say? I think you said the right answer. Please say it again. <laughs> we could barely, barely hear him, and uh, the priest finally gave up. He's like, yes, yes, the answer is suffering. So we think a lot about Jesus's passion, and we know that it's the time of his suffering, and that makes sense. But I never really correlated like suffering with the passion. I think of Jesus's passion, and I th- and I know that he suffered in that time, but I always thought of passion as love, right? We like um, we say when somebody's passionate. They're passionately in love with their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend. They're passionately in love with their job. They're passionately in love with their sports team. But if you're a a sports team (laughs) uh, and your sports team doesn't do too well that often, you know that passion and suffering go together. But but I I didn't quite put those two things together. But um, so the the two are linked. And St. John the Baptist was... um, killed for his faith. He was killed because he was a man of God and he was he was killed unjustly. He came came before Herod. I uh, know a girl came before Herod and said uh, and danced and Herod was like, "I'm going to give you whatever you want." Um and, and she well, she says, "Well, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter." It's like and the, Herod's just stuck. Cuz he doesn't want to lose face. But so he's kind of stuck and he does it and he kills John the Baptist, puts his head on the platter and 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 that's <clears throat> And that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs> that's how you heard in Bruce Almighty. Um, but I want to talk about the the passion of Jesus too, to try to make to try to make some sense of this story, or how how can we react as Catholics as Christians to this story? Uh, I think first and foremost, we we shared at the, at the top uh, stories of people helping. If you think of compassionate, it means that you're you're suffering with somebody. The primary story of Christianity is the passion of Jesus. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, we proclaim Christ crucified. So this Christian message is a message whose main story is about suffering and triumphing, triumphing, over that, triumphing through that suffering, triumphing over that suffering. We celebrate his victory over sin and death. And what... In Jesus' story of his passion, this victory gives us hope. And I think a lot of people right now who are struggling through Harvey, or if you're listening somewhere that's not Texas, there's probably some suffering in your life too. And what the passion of Jesus tells us, those days, you know, we have Good Friday where he dies. You know, the day before Thursday where he knew he was going to die and he just bled. Sweat blood because he was just, he's just so nervous about what was happening and anxiety. And I think a lot of us can connect with the anxiety of Jesus not knowing what's going to happen next or knowing that tomorrow your house is gone, but you can't do anything about it. And then Friday, you know, he dies and and the apostles run away, the followers of Jesus. And that's who we are, right? We put ourselves in the story there. Saturday has always just been baffled me every time we do Holy Week. Because I, I put myself in the position of the apostles on Saturday. Like everything that they know and love, the man that they've followed is dead and gone. The future they thought they were going to have is, is gone. And just how, how much they must have lacked hope in the midst of their suffering. And in the midst of that suffering, the next day, Jesus rises and appears to them. And and they're overjoyed. 
the pain of that suffering has now been changed into joy. And now they can continue to hope because if, 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 Jesus, if Jesus said he can rise from the dead and he did that, then all his other promises are true. His promise is that you suffering today, that he will be with you. That he will make your yoke easy and your burden light if you just give it to him. That he will be with you in the midst of your trials. Those promises are true as well. I found it really interesting the other day. As I was on Sunday. I, get, I, I think I've shared before, I get these emails every day from Steubenville, the Steubenville conferences. There's a quote from Naomi Lehu on Sunday, and it said, Jesus is not surprised by our mess. He came down to be a part of it. So we look at the beginning and the end of Jesus' life, his passion where he, he gives us hope, that, that through suffering, that one day that suffering will end and that we'll have victory over it. And at the beginning of his life, he came down from heaven to be a part of the mess of the human story. He wants to be a part of your story. He wants to be a part even in the midst of your hurt and your pain. So I just wanted to start today's show just by trying to encourage people who are, who are struggling through this hurricane, who are struggling, whatever situation is happening across the, across the country as people listen. And we'll be right back with Eric Sammons to talk about how he is using story in his ministry. We'll be right back. Back to Forte Catholic. As promised, we are back here uh, with a good friend of mine who's actually been on the show before. His name is Eric Sammons. We're getting him on the line here. He has uh, written a new book um, that I want to talk to you about. For those of you who have not heard him before, he is a great, great guy. Uh, we're getting him on the line on Skype here. Uh, he was on the show with us back on episode 32 about three months ago, and he had one of the most creative uh, book titles I've ever heard called The Old Evangelization. And we're going to talk about his new book today. Eric, you on the line there? Can we hear you? I am here. Perfect. Perfect. It's, it's great to have you here. Uh, before we dive into your book, I do want to talk about something that you are passionate about in the last segment we talked about the word passion and how it's connected to the word suffering and you've been <laughs> you're a big baseball fan you're a Cincinnati uh, I know where this is going <laughs> you're a big baseball fan big Cincinnati Reds fan I was looking on your blog you have all kind of stuff about faith that we'll get into but before we get to the faith stuff we got to address the baseball stuff and you are a Reds fan and you've gone to many games and on your recent post you posted uh, the record of the games of the Reds that you've gone to. Why don't you share that with our audience real quick? Well, I'd prefer not to. <laughs> I'll just put it this way. I think the Reds are going to try to pay me not to come to their games. In the future. Uh, when I go, they don't do so well. And, you know, the truth is they haven't been a very good team for most of my uh, adult life, at least. And so, uh, yeah, it's not good. Um, let me see. Actually, I have it right here. It is. They're eight and seventeen. Eight and seventeen. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah. So your part-time job is not going to Reds games from here on out. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's, I think they should pay me for that. Maybe I should contact them about that. The funny thing is, like, I, I watch. I've watched games with the Pittsburgh Pirates five times. And I don't even like the Pirates, but I've lived near Cleveland. I mean, Pittsburgh for a while, and I've seen them play the Reds and other places. And they're five and zero in games I go to. And so it's like, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> that's that, that's how the world works, I guess. It's that's a little right. bit that's add right. a little bit of that suffering to your life. That um, is my little bit of suffering. <laughs> <laughs> and I know uh, it was interesting too because I you you did post another blog about. Uh, your favorite baseball teams. And before I agreed to have you on again, I went and looked to see how our hometown Houston Astros fared on your list. And here's verbatim your quote. For years, the Astros were on my meh list, M-E-H. And I was like, all right, come on, man. But then, but, but their recent run of success and their young players make them, an enjoy, make them enjoyable to watch. So, Eric, you are on the show 
not only because you've written a great book that you're going to share with us about, but because the Astros are not on your meh list. <laughs> they, they are not. I mean, how can you not like Altuve and, you know, and, and, and Springer and all the other guys? So, yeah, I, I have now in Correa, although I'm a big Lindor fan, you know, I had to give props to, to uh, Correa. So, yes, I definitely uh, I, in fact, I picked them to make it to the World Series this year. At the beginning of the year, I picked the, uh, the Cubs Astros World Series. I did pick the Cubs to win it, but I did pick the Astros to be in the World Series. So there you go. The Cubs aren't looking too good, but I think the Astros will hopefully yeah. make it there. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, so let's dive into the book, right? It's it's called the prof, uh, the profession. Um, before we even get into what it's about, I want you to share, like, because it's it's a it's a work of of fiction, right? It's, it's similar right. to like how C.S. Lewis wrote fiction to tell um, to tell um, to teach about faith. That's essentially what you're doing here. So we want to talk about the importance of story, the importance of the arts. Um, like your writing and, and how we how you are using this medium to share the faith. Right. So it is my first time I've written fiction. And I really would say there's there was kind of two driving forces to writing it. One is I just always wanted to do this. I mean, as I think every writer of any type will tell you they would like to write a fictional story or more, you know, a lot of fictional stories. And I'm the same way. All my books in the past and all my writings have always been nonfiction about Catholic topics or about baseball or technology or whatever the case may be. But I've always kind of had ideas for stories in my head. So I've always wanted to write one. So that's the first thing. I just wanted to do it. The second thing, though, was I've seen that in my work of evangelization over the past like 20 plus years, I've seen there's lots of people we just can't reach through kind of our typical ways of doing it. There are, in other words, there's a lot of people who just won't read a Scott Hahn book, as good as they are and as accessible as they are. Like a Scott Hahn book is very accessible to the uh, kind of average person, but they just won't pick that up. Because people just don't, a lot of people just don't read nonfiction and they don't want to read a quote unquote theology book, but they will read a good story. And, you know, and, and let's be honest, in today's world, a short story particularly, because people don't necessarily have the attention span even for a longer story. So that's why I thought, hey, here's a way I can maybe say something about the faith in hopefully a good story. Yeah, and I, I started reading some of it uh, before the show today, and then I had to do another interview, so I didn't get to finish it like I planned on. But the the I, why don't you share the the idea of it because I got into it and it's already kind of gotten its hooks into me a little bit. So what what's the the setup for this story? Um, because I, I think the idea is absolutely uh, very very interesting. So it's set about 30 years in the future, in, in 2049. I've always been myself a fan of futuristic science fiction type stories. And so it's set about 30 years in the future, and it's based in America. But in Europe, basically at this point, um, Islamic caliphates have taken over all of, all of continental Europe. And, so, and, they're, and they're making incursions into the United States as well. And so it's a situation where it's trying to project – what could happen based upon what's happening today? What could happen in the future? Now, the story itself, though, isn't about like geopolitical uh, forces or anything like that. It's more the story of a regular guy, a Catholic who's a computer programmer. Um, and, and so he basically is kind of thrust into a situation, a situation that uh, leads him to very, make very difficult and life-changing choices in his own life uh, based upon this kind of uh, environment of Islam having taken over Europe and basically trying to make the same effort to do the same in America. And it's really interesting because it's a it's a very powerful topic, right? There's a, a lot of times uh, Christianity and Islam, as you said, these books can be written and they don't don't look like the most enticing things. Or you can I can look at them and be like that that book's probably going to be heavily slanted or or <laughs> you know one way or the other depending on on who's writing it or, or, or not. But I think stories can really get into the midst of of how does this connect to someone's real life. So that I can right. see how it connects to my real life, and and as you said, it, it focuses in on this man named Philip. So it focuses in on a very personal story. Uh, he's caught up in this in this clash of cultures that that becomes personal, um, and he has to make a choice between faith or friendship. So without giving away the whole the whole story, um, how do, how how does he struggle with Islam um, being a Catholic person? What happens is he finds out his best friend growing up 
has converted to Islam. And so he that that kind of shocks him as a Catholic and what's going on in the world. But he's not, you know, Philip isn't a uh, anti-Muslim person or anything like that. He, he's just kind of like most people would be. They're just like, well, they exist. They're becoming more and more powerful, maybe a little worried about it, but kind of like doesn't really know what to think. So he's not sure what to think. And then later in the story, though, he's confronted and he kind of has to make a decision. I don't want to give out too much of that part, but he has to make a decision about what he really believes, what's important to him. And I think you know, the, the one thing you don't want to do, and th- this is always the struggle when you write a fictional story that has a Christian message, is you have to tell a good story first and foremost. The the danger, and you see this in a lot of like uh, evangelical Christian fiction, is they're more about the message than they are about the story. And so really it becomes a preachy type of book, and you don't want that. You want it to be where anybody could read the story. They don't have to be a practicing Catholic or Christian to enjoy the story, and that's kind of the whole point of the evangelization aspect of it is you want this to be read by anybody. I mean, I want, I want an atheist to be able to read this and say, you know, this was a good story. I, I, I found myself identifying with Philip, with the main character. I found myself empathizing with him, whatever the case may be. Uh, and so that's why I tried to do, and hopefully I was successful at that. that that's fascinating because I, I love stories. I took a, a, a class in grad school about faith in the arts and all these things and that uh, the what you just shared was one of the biggest things that they got across because i think about the stories that i read or listen to or watch on tv and they're not like catholic they're just like regular stories right and i'm able to connect with them and they they do impact my life and i with a catholic worldview i can be like okay this is how i can connect this to my faith and all these sorts of things or that part definitely isn't part of the faith or along these sorts of lines um and i think one of the problems that, as you alluded to, that I, I have, especially with like Christian movies, is that they say that they're trying to evangelize, but like everybody that's not a super devout Christian in a lot of stories like this are bad guys, or like they either right. die or they or they all convert and have beautiful lives at the end. It's like that's that can happen, but that's prob that's not most of the time how things go. It's not real, and I think what it does is just kind of build. Christians up and make them feel good, but it doesn't. But the non-Christian that goes to this movie is like, "Well, that was stupid," you know. So uh, exactly. <laughs> so what is? Yeah, and I go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna say yes, and that, that's why I'm like the 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 Phil's friend he grew up with that becomes Muslim. I wanted to make him sympathetic to the reader. I didn't want him to come across as, okay, well he's the Muslim, therefore he's the bad guy. In fact, that's that was kind of one of my main things I was trying to do there is I didn't want him to be a caricature or like one dimensional. I wanted people to say like they could kind of see where he's coming from and maybe empathize with him a little bit, too, because I think in real life, that's the way it is, that people aren't. I mean, there are some people, maybe Osama bin Laden or something that is, you know, kind of, you know, they're the evil one. But for most people. You know that you have good and you have bad mixed all in, and and people are trying to do the right thing. And they might be doing something terrible, but think they're doing the right thing. All those things we have to kind of recognize as part of the human condition. And the people who are good, so to speak, the, maybe the Catholic or whatever, he might be doing some things that he shouldn't be doing, and he might be making mistakes. And I think that's just kind of that's the way life is. And so I think a good story would tell it like that. But like you said, some of these movies or or books that are caricatures that are like basically Christian good, everybody else bad. That's not real life in, in, in the end. Yeah, I'm really excited to keep reading it. I'll, I'll probably honestly actually finish it tonight because I'm just, I'm just so excited about that last part that I can read it as a very imperfect Christian and not feel like, oh, well, I'm not perfect, so I can't be a good Christian, right? So right. I, I'm really glad that, that you have that. Um, so let's, let's take a step back and look at this, at this you know, the, the issue on a macro level. Uh, so what are some of the ways, like living out a faith, our faith in a world that doesn't agree with us, you're looking in the future because, and I think probably following a trend of where living out faith in Europe and in America used to be the thing to do, even up to you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, however long you want to go back. And when you're looking uh, 20, 30, 40 years into the future, uh, <clears throat> so I think people listening today would need to know and and be prepared for how to live out our faith in a culture that says to do otherwise. So what would you share with the people listening today, either on the radio or on the podcast? How how are we as Catholics called to 
um, to essentially be in the world, not of the world. How are we supposed to respond when the culture says, don't be Catholic? I would say the first thing is to recognize that it's it's not easy. If you if it if you think it's easy, you're probably not doing it. <laughs> um, and, and you know, today is the feast of the um, beheading of Saint John the Baptist. And why was he killed? He was killed because he publicly proclaimed an invalid marriage was invalid by a leader, you know, King Herod. And that has a very, uh, something to tell us today, because that's what we're being asked to do. We're being asked to say things like, oh, this marriage, so-called marriage of two men is actually a marriage, or this, you know, divorced and remarried person is actually married when they're not. These are tough things, and, and the world is telling us you can't say that. Not only can you not believe it, you, 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 you cannot say anything to question that, or else you could lose your job, you could, you know, you could be uh, shunned by others, you could, you know, basically be uh, outed on Twitter or whatever and social media and all of a sudden not be able to get employment and all these things can happen to you. And so the one thing we always have to remember is being faithful to Christ might end up, keep, have us end up in the same situation as St. John the Baptist, unfortunately. Now that's kind of, I start with the, 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 the downer part, I guess, but it's true and we have to remember that. But I also think it's a matter of if we are faithful to Christ, he will, we will receive the graces we need to be strong and to be and to be joyful about it. Because ultimately, that's really the key: is being joyful about it. That when we say things like, "Okay, this is not really a marriage," it's it's a very negative thing in the eyes of the world. But what we really also should be doing is saying. But here's what marriage really is, and here's why marriage is the way it, it, it is, because the way God set it up, because it's the, the flowering of the human person. It, it allows uh, families to, to be whole. Uh, it's best for kids, all these things that are all positives. So I think if we're joyful about that and proclaiming it, even in our sufferings, which we might in, encounter, we still have that deep joy that makes it possible. Because I think if we don't have that joy, honestly, the sufferings could get too much and, and we give up and we just become, we, we despair and we don't, we don't, definitely don't want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and I, in the first segment of today's show, we were talking about the suffering, you know, here locally from, from Hurricane Harvey right. and, and how to respond to, to, to these, these big disasters or, you know, or to, you know, like the John the Baptist situation, how to respond to, it's like, oh, like my head's going to get cut off. Like, I, I don't <laughs> want, I don't want that in my future, but I mean, we have to be prepared for um, for ultimately, you know, giving our lives for our faith or um, even in the day in and day out. You know, I think I heard a youth minister tell me once uh, that, you know, a lot of us can stand up and say, oh, yeah, I'll be martyred. I'll stand up. I'll die. I'll suffer for Christ. And then he stood up and said, well, will you suffer in your day to day life? Will you right. die to Christ in the everyday? And I think, I mean, that, that just always has stuck with me. That um, being able to have this joy and you know, to find the joy that you talked about, uh, the joy in the Lord that's deeper than any happiness, because like Hurricane Harvey did not bring happiness, but we can still right. have this deep and embedded joy. We're talking with Eric Sammons about his uh, new book called The Profession. You can the Profession. You can find it on Amazon.com. Eric, how else can the people connect with you? Well, if you just go to my website, ericsammons.com, you can find all my writings. And actually, for a limited time right now, you can actually download the profession for free from my website. So it's only 99 cents on Amazon, but if you want to download it for free, just go to my website, ericsammons.com, and you can do that. You're, uh, it's, it's, uh, you're only doing that for me, right? It's because you came on Forte Catholic. It's, uh... Uh, well, okay. <laughs> I won't no, make, I've, I've I had it free <laughs> I won't make you lie on Catholic Radio, but yeah, check out his oh, website. Uh, Eric, I really love all the things you're doing, how you're able to take all of your gifts, so, uh, your Catholicism, your writing, your, your speaking, your podcast, books, um, and, and obviously your love for baseball. So Eric, thank you for coming on. I really do appreciate it, and we'll talk to you next time. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. God bless. God bless you. All right, uh, Eric, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate your time. He's a fantastic man. Um, if you missed him on the last time he was on, go check it out on the podcast episode 32. You can find it on ForteCatholic.com, on iTunes, on SoundCloud, however you want to listen to the podcast. Uh, go check out his book. He's an awesome, awesome dude. Um, and we will be uh, right back here after the break for our final segment of Forte Catholic for the evening. All right, we are back for segment three. 
of Forte Catholic for the evening. If you're just joining us, we're talking about stories and passion today. A lot of our friends and family, loved ones here in South Texas, Central Texas, have really been hurting the last couple of days in the aftermath of the storm. So in the first segment, we talked about uh, passion and the suffering of Jesus and John the Baptist and how we can try to make some sense and how we can get through uh, epic tragedies like this. Uh, in the last segment, we had, we had Eric Sammons uh, 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 becoming a great friend of the show. He's been on the second time. We absolutely love our time with him. Uh, he talked about his book called The Profession. You can find it on Amazon. Uh, it's a, a fiction story to be able to, t- to teach a point, and I absolutely think that that art is definitely lost on the church, and I think he's being able to bring it back, and it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, in, this, in this last segment, I want to talk about stories a little bit more and kind of lighten it up a little bit because there was a tweet that went out on, on Sunday um, as many of you know, uh, whether you like it or not, the Game of Thrones season finale was on Sunday. Now, I know probably every show on uh, on Catholic Radio is like, Game of Thrones is the devil. I'm just, I'm not, we're not going to go there. All I'm going to say is Sunday, it, it became the, the most watched television show of all time, the most watched episode of all time. And... People were tweeting about it. It's the season finale. Think, pick your favorite show. If you hate Game of Thrones or you're tuning out because I'm talking about Game of Thrones, that's not, I'm not talking about the show. I'm talking about this cultural phenomenon based around a story. We love good stories. It's based around a story. It's why everybody loves it. It's because it's some of the best storytelling out there, right? has some things that are definitely against the Catholic faith in it. But it's great storytelling. It might not be beautiful content. But the art form is is beautiful, right? It's enticing. It brings people in. And somebody tweeted about and most, like I, I said earlier, most of my social media this weekend is all about Hurricane Harvey. All my friends in the Houston area. Um, and for the most part, it was beautiful on social media. People sharing real stories, even of hurt, sharing stories about, you know, we're going to get through this. God's still good. Um, beautiful stories of people helping each other out. And then... So social media was actually kind of a nice place. And then I saw this tweet of a, a Catholic person, kind of a Catholic media person, um, send out a tweet extremely angry at somebody who was tweeting about Game of Thrones. They were like, how could you possibly be tweeting about some stupid show whenever people are hurting in the midst of this, of this hurricane? And it, it really bothered me. It really bothered me when I read that because um, I got home on Sunday night. We were in San Antonio doing the Fullness of Truth Conference, had a great weekend out there, um, you know, praying for our our friends out in Houston the whole weekend. And we drove back on Sunday night. And the biggest reason that I wanted to come home is that my, like our front room floods uh, in big range. It's happened. We know that it happened before we lived there because there was like wood floors, a converted garage, there was wood floor in there. And we could tell that there were some areas where it had gotten wet and kind of warped the wood, right? And then about a year ago, it rained really hard in, in Bryan here. And uh, it the water came into our house and it flooded. I actually had to rip up all the wood. So like, I know like, I don't want to, I'm not trying to, what I don't want to do is, this my little suffering in here pales in comparison into what my friends and family are suffering in the Houston area, but it's still very real, right? I mean, like I, I'm a missionary; I don't have money just sitting around to refloor a house. So, like we've just been having the concrete; we've been fine with it. It's cool. It's whatever. Um, but we wanted to come home, and I got home around nine at night after driving through a hurricane, like driving through winds and rains and all this kind of stuff. Right? Kind of a stressful, stressful evening. We got home safe. It was fine. And I get home and there's, I mean, sure enough, there's water in like the front third or so of, of our living room, you know, old garage converted into a living room. So no big deal, right? Uh, it's, it's manageable. We'll just replace the wood. We got flood insurance, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> I go over to our next one neighbor's house. I get a broom. We, you know, I sweep it out. I sweep all the water out. It takes about 20, 30 minutes or whatever. My wife gets the vacuum cleaner. 
She cleans, you know, she cleans it up, sprays to clean it up and, and try to prevent mold, all this stuff. We get our neighbors help us out. They give us a fan to like blow. And it's just neat, right? And little, little thing, manageable. And then I go outside and like our gutters, because like where the house floods, there's a gutter there right outside. And our gutters were full. So I go outside in the middle of rain from like 930 to like 10 o'clock, right? And I'm out there in the pouring rain cleaning out my gutters. Go inside, take a shower, get all cleaned up, right? So I, I've been either driving through the rain or outside in the rain for, you know, five, six, seven hours at this point. And I go take a shower, get cleaned up. And what do my wife and I do? We sit down and we watch Game of Thrones. And it was just, we enjoyed ourselves for an hour. We got to talk about it. We had, we, we, it was just an enjoyable evening for the two of us. After what wasn't an enjoyable previous part of the evening. And this story, whether you like it or not, you can hate me for watching it. I don't care. It's on my soul. Get over it. <laughs> but this story that we enjoy was able to help us, to bring us joy, to bring us laughter, to have us enjoy this hour after what had been a, a stressful day. So whether you hate or love Game of Thrones or whatever, stories can lift us up, they can inspire us, they can help us relax, and they can take us to new worlds. It was nice to go to a fantasy world for about an hour. We can't stay there, but it was nice to go there for a little while, right? So... What we're going to do in this last segment is talk about just some stories that have happened in our life that has kind of surrounding faith, some 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 funny, some serious, just to kind of to lift up the to lift up the show. And if you're listening and you've been um, suffering from the hurricane, I just hope you're able to just laugh with us and and just escape for the next ten minutes. Deal. Deal. All right. So uh, the first story that I want to share has to do with. The hurricane, actually. And I just I shared earlier about how much I love watching Texans just unite and come together to help each other out. <coughs> Texans are also hilarious. <laughs> and even in the we talked in the last segment with Eric about the, the, the ability to have joy in the midst of suffering. And I saw on my Instagram right before the show started. This picture, and I'll, 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 I'll reshare it so you can see it. You can follow me on Instagram at Taylor Schroll or at Twitter at Taylor, on Twitter at Taylor Schroll. Uh, it was a Whataburger sign in the midst of all this flooding. And you could tell that they were strong winds. And, you know, this big W. If you're not from Texas, I'm a, I apologize to you. Get here, please. It, it, your life will be so much better. <laughs> if you are... You know that Whataburger is Texas, right? <laughs> so this is this big orange and white W. And you could tell that the winds kind of beat it up and tattered it, and there was like a hole in the middle. But you could still tell that it was a Whataburger sign, right? And somebody captioned this picture, gave proof to the night that our flag was still, gave proof to the night <laughs> that our flag was still there. Kind of, you know, comparing it to this battle that happened overnight and all these things in, in, our, in our country's hilarious. history. And that, you know, that, that flag, it still stood, it's still our beacon of hope, and we won, right? And I think that's, that, that's what they were getting at, right? That even through the midst of this storm, like Houston, Texas, is not going to fall and crumble because of this. We're all going to persevere, we're all going to work together, and we're all going to you know, be able to smile through it, at least at some point, <laughs> with our good old uh, Whataburger signs. Another funny story that I have about, uh, about faith... And uh, Sam, our, our producer, is here. She's going to share a funny story about her childhood as well, just uh, not understanding the Catholic Church when we were kids. <laughs> the church is, can be a confusing time. Uh, so confusing. Confusing thing at times uh, for all of us, but especially for us as kids. So little Taylor, and, and not so little Taylor, it's, <laughs> it's actually pretty embarrassing how long I believe this. I, 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 would, I would guess that I believed the story that I'm about to tell you. Until junior high, early high school. I think it might have even been early high school. Embarrassingly late. So I grew up going to mass, and I would hear the priest give a homily every year or two about euthanasia. Mm. And I was like, okay, you know, it's not like a laughing matter subject, right? It's just it's about 
you know, like we, we believe in, 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 that we're pro-life. We believe in that God gave us life from conception to natural death, and euthanasia gets in the way of that because it's ending a life before it should, right? Right. And uh, that's what I know now. No, no. <laughs> I was real confused because I heard the gospel message. I heard that Jesus, you know, loved people. He welcomed the outsiders. Right. So I couldn't understand all of the, how all these good things in the gospel and how this same guy and his church could be against little Asian kids. What? All the youth in Asia. Oh, So no. I, I would always hear that the church was against euthanasia, and I didn't know that that was one word. Right. <laughs> I thought the church was against youth in Asia. And I was, like, learning things in school that, like, you know, people in China can only have one kid. And I was like, are we a, we're, are we for that? Like, I was so confused <laughs> about why the church was against youth in oh, Asia. No. So if you're ever confused in the church, know that I've been right there with you. Uh, and uh, Sam, so that I'm not the only person embarrassed on my own show, why don't right. you share your story about uh, growing up in church and maybe misunderstanding something that you learned <laughs> as a kid? Yeah, I was actually in Catholic school at the time, and we were taking a, a test on the commandments. And the question was, what is the greatest commandment of all? And it was like answer choices. And I got that question wrong. Um, I said, honor your father and mother. (laughs) I mean, you're close. You know, honor your father and mother. uh, No other God before God. Yeah, same thing. (laughs) (laughs) And so I actually had to take it home and get it signed by my mom. (laughs) And my mom wrote, I see nothing wrong with this answer. (laughs) So... You know, I'm up there with you, Taylor. I'm up there with you. Uh, uh, you heard it here first. There are idiots running Forte Catholic. All of us are not good people. Um, so uh, the people that believe that tuned out when I said I watched Game of Thrones. It's okay. We're fine now. Uh, the next story that I want to share about a little funny moment that's this happened in church, and it was one of those live streaming churches. So oh. in college, I've talked before that I was um, – you know, highly involved with Catholic ministry on campus, but I actually was involved in a non-denominational ministry um, off campus and really grew my prayer life, my love for scripture, all these sorts of things. Well, one of my friends in this, uh, in this non-denominational ministry was a worship leader for this huge mega church in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And it was live streamed and all these things, right? And there was this popular song, uh, probably popular a little bit before I was in college, but it was still, they still played it in college. It was called Breathe. Oh. This is the air I breathe, your mm-hmm. holy presence living in me, right? And she was singing that song right. in this huge mega church live on TV. Okay. And the chorus goes, and I, I'm desperate for you, Lord. Right? Right. Okay. Right. She went, and I will always love oh, you. No. And you can see she she was so into the song and into worship, right? You can see her eyes opened. I believe it was right at the moment she said you. And she's just like extreme fear. Like, <laughs> I mean, what she just went with Houston I, on yeah, them. <laughs> what have I done? And then she just played it off and kept going. Because if you think about it, and I will always love you is still a great worship lyric. Yeah, I guess so. so. <laughs> another funny moment in church. Uh, Sam, Sam, you have a story about a, a saint that we absolutely need to know about today. It's true. I, I, Okay, I didn't look him up, but I'm pretty sure... St. Lawrence is the patron saint of comedians. He is. He's one of them. And the so most I, was well like, known. I was like, we should talk about him today because I think he was he was being like grilled or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like literally like barbecue on a grill. And now I'm hungry. Oh, no. <laughs> and so to be funny, he's like, all right, I'm done on the side. You could turn me over now. He's making jokes even on the grill. So even as he's dying, through his suffering, through his suffering, yep, he still had some joy, and we're able to smile about some dude's death two thousand <laughs> years ago. How odd is that, right? But I, if if there's nothing else we learn from the Christian message, like I want to go out laughing, I, <laughs> I really do, just making fun of people. You know, he was just poking them That's as true. they were roasting him. So um, the last story that I want to share. It comes from the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful Word of God. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this is my favorite Bible story. It comes from the book of Judges, chapter 3. Oh, and no. And most of the time, I work, as most of you know, I work in youth ministry. I love sharing this story 
with young people. I think, Sam, you might have heard me tell this story before. fullness of truth, I think you shared this. I did share this last weekend um, with parents in the background, so that's always fun. So, you can't argue with Scripture. Uh, Judges chapter (laughs) 3 says, Again, the people of Israel did what the Lord said was wrong. (laughs) This is happening a lot in Judges. Uh, So the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power to defeat Israel because of the evil Israel did. So Israel messed up, and there's this dude that's coming to take him over, right? Eglon, what an odd, odd name. Eglon got the Ammonites and the Amalekites to join him. Then he attacked Israel and took Jericho, the the city of palm trees. So the people of Israel were ruled by Eglon the king for 18 years, right? So bad guy is in charge. That's that's what you need to know for this. His name's Eglon for some stupid reason. <laughs> his, mom, his mom didn't like him. Um, so when the people cried out to God, this is what they do. They mess up. Something bad happened, so they cry out to God for help. He sent someone to save them. It was Ehud, um, who was left-handed. That's important for some reason. Hey, um, left-handed is great. I'm left-handed. Yeah, it's biblical, I guess. <laughs> Uh, Israel sent Ehud to give Eglon the king what he demanded. So I'm gonna. So essentially, he goes in to bring this king all these goods as like tribute, right? Then he gets in and he says, uh, "I Eglon, I have a secret message for you." Then the king said, "Be quiet." <laughs> <laughs> so if you ever need to tell somebody be quiet, you can say it's scriptural. It's true. Then he sent his servants out. So Eglon was sitting with sitting there, and Ehud said, "I have a message from God for you." As the king stood up from his chair, Eglon reached with his left hand and took out the sword that was tied tight to his right hip. He was left-handed, so he was able to hide the sword. That's the point, right? Then he stabbed the sword deep into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in, and the blood came back out. The king was so fat that his fat covered the whole sword, so Ehud left the sword in Eglon. He was so fat that he stabbed the sword at him, and his fat swallowed the sword, (laughs) so he couldn't get it out. So he's like, well, I'll just leave it here. And here's the great part that the kid's like, he would stuck it, uh, he snuck out, and the servants uh, returned <clears throat> to this room, and they found that the door was locked. So they thought that the king was easing himself in the cool chamber. Mm. They, they thought he was going to the bathroom, right? right, right. And he was taking a long time. Um, and finally, they were like, "Oh, something must be wrong." They be- the, uh, they were worried because he hadn't opened the doors. They walk in and they saw him lying dead, and then Israel was saved. So stories are fun. The Bible's fun. There are great stories in the Bible. Again, for those of you suffering through Hurricane Harvey, our prayers are with you. We'll be back next week with the Fishers of Men podcast, two women talking about dating. See you then. One, two, three. See